Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. The spiritual discipline of giving is a two-way street. The giver needs to give out of obedience to God. The recipient, whether an individual or a church, must receive it with integrity as though it came directly from God. Paul describes this dynamic in the last verses of Philippians chapter 4 as I bring this study of Philippians to a close. I'm calling episode 30, Grateful and Generously Supplied. Several years back, I served as the business administrator of the church I grew up in and was given the task of assembling the annual spending budget. The church was doing really well financially, and every department was well-funded. Rarely were budget requests denied. You know, there is a real temptation in times of prosperity to get sloppy with spending. There were times that I would see requests for something that the department head would say looked really cool and they would like to see how it might work for them. Or maybe several hundred dollars for a prop for one event. Now, I'm all for innovation and experimentation, but we also need to remember that every penny of the church funds we spend was given by someone who was being obedient to God and who trusted us to use their offering in a responsible and God-honoring way. So I devised a conversational test that I would apply to budget requests that seemed a little iffy. I called it the Sister Delancey test. Now, Sister Delancey was one of the saintly older ladies of the church who was universally loved and respected. I knew that her first name was Mary, but I would never have thought of calling her by her first name. She was always Sister Delancey to me. Her homemade pecan pies graced many a church potluck, and I never heard her say an unkind or ungracious word to anyone. She faithfully paid the tithe on her pensioner's income and always gave in a collection for a missionary. So when I would get a budget request that I wondered about, I would ask the requester the hypothetical question, would you feel good about asking Sister Delancey if we could use her offering to pay for this? We never actually went and asked her, but the thought of having that conversation put a sobering perspective on the responsibility that comes to those who spend the church's money. And this is not a recent concern. The Apostle Paul was grateful to receive offerings from the church at Philippi, but he wanted to receive them with integrity. I'll read the final verses of the fourth chapter as I bring this study of Philippians to a conclusion. We begin today's reading, chapter 4, verse 14. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. 
Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need, and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each one of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me sent you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. One of the reasons that Paul had such deep affection for the Philippian church is that they showed their love and respect for him with not just their words, but also with their actions. They would send offerings to him while he was journeying through the known world sharing the gospel. Paul didn't fundraise in the places he was evangelizing because he didn't want the gospel to appear to be transactional. He didn't want the folks to think that they were paying for some secret information that they wouldn't get if they didn't pay him to tell them. In some towns, he would find employment, but in others, he would get by as best he could by staying with someone who would invite him to stay with them. Then, as now, there were traveling teachers who would go from town to town to sell their ideas, and they had the reputation of being hucksters and cheats. Paul didn't want to do anything to make people think that this was the sort of person he was. Paul acknowledges the gift that they sent for a couple of reasons, to express his gratitude and to make sure that they know he received it. There, there was no Venmo in those days. Someone had to make a multiple-day journey to deliver some cash. The courier might abscond with it. The courier might get robbed. The courier might have an accident on the way and die on the road, never completing the delivery. So the Philippians would have been glad to hear that the offering that they so lovingly sent to him actually made it to its destination. It's very similar to the thank you cards that seem to have fallen out of favor in recent years. When someone sends a gift from far away, a simple acknowledgement of its receipt and an expression of appreciation is not too much to ask. But Paul wants to make it very clear that he is not insinuating that another offering needs to be coming his way. Have you ever responded to an appeal by an organization by sending a contribution and ended up on the receiving end of an endless stream of increasingly frequent and urgent appeals for more? I know I have, and it always leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I knew a man a number of years ago who had begun sending money to two preachers he watched on TV. He came to my wife and I for help in his financial situation. As we got involved, we saw that a huge percentage of his small income was going to these organizations who were promising untold healing and blessing if he would just give some more. I read the letters they were sending him, and they made me heartsick. One even said that there was a prophetic word just for him that they would send just as soon as they received his donation of a certain amount. 
It made me sick to my stomach. I know that these two characters aren't representative of the vast majority of ministers who labor with integrity and love of the people that they serve. It's a nervous dance that we pastors deal with when it comes to preaching on giving. God promises blessing on those who practice the spiritual discipline of giving. In Malachi chapter 3, the Lord says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's one of the very few times we are told to put the Lord to the test. So for pastors to preach the whole counsel of God, they have to include giving in their preaching calendars. And it's not real spiritual, but the reality is that a local church, or any ministry for that matter, functions as a result of people practicing the spiritual discipline of regular giving. But even though the commitment to consistent giving carries a guaranteed blessing, and even though the church can spend only what people have given, pastors, by and large, hate to preach on giving. Why is this? Because we dread the comments that we anticipate. You sure do preach on money a lot. Or, I invited my friend to come with me to church today for the first time in years, and you preached on money. And we don't want to be thrown into the same pot as unscrupulous ministries, so we apologize and wait for a year to preach on giving again. And by doing so, we cheat our people by failing to lead them to the blessing that is theirs when they learn to trust the Lord with what is many times the last part of their lives, their finances. I love the way Paul handles this. He thanks them for the gift and explains that he's not asking for another. He wants them to understand that they are blessed because they gave. He equates their gift with the Old Testament form of sacrifice. The lambs, goats, and bulls that were sacrificed were valuable items. They were, in essence, the currency of the day. And as the sacrifices were burned on the altar, the smoke that arose was said to be an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Paul is saying that their gift, given out of love and concern for Paul's well-being, is that same type of sacrifice. They need to want to give it more than Paul will rejoice in receiving it. He makes it clear that he's doing okay right now. He wants to make sure that if they send him another offering, it is because once again they love and care for him and are grateful for the gospel that he brought to them. Never once does he say anything to the effect that if they don't get more to him soon, he might just have to shut down his ministry. He tells them that the same God who takes care of him will take care of them as well. We have access to the limitless resources of heaven because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul ends his letter with sincere and tender greetings to all of the believers in Philippi and from the local believers who Paul has told about his Philippian friends. He ends with a blessing. 
And so we have completed our journey through this joyful New Testament book. What a gift it is to be able to read these letters centuries after they were written. It is amazing how they still have relevance for us today, as we see that many of the issues that we face today have been around for a long time. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is enough to enable us to take on every challenge that life throws at us. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, would you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow. Or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.